Welcome to the Kosher Conversation, a Star K Media production. I'm your host, Hananya Jacobson. With Shavuos just behind us, I got curious about cheese production, so I reached out to Rabbi Yona Goldberg, a freelance mashkiach in America's Dairyland, to share his experience with us. Rabbi Goldberg is based in St. Paul, Minnesota. Minnesota, which is a twin city, he tells me, together with Minneapolis. Yep, just, okay. just a river dividing. Okay, and you're on that side of the river. Is that where the Jewish community is? Uh, there's two. There's uh, two. Minneapolis, has, Minneapolis has a much bigger Jewish community. St. Paul is a much smaller Jewish community. We're the older Jewish community. They used to be in St. Paul, and somehow, you know, over time, it migrated over 150 years to Minneapolis. But there's, there's a Jewish community on both sides of the town, of the, of the, of the river. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get into Kashrus? I moved here to Minnesota on uh, Shlichus. I also, I'm, uh, also, am, uh, I mean, I am a shliach also on the side. I have an Israeli community that I uh, am the rabbi, and I, have, uh, I work with them. I have a mm-hmm. house, Beit Chabad, as they say in Hebrew. So I moved here to Minnesota, and I just slowly I got into. I was asked to do, can you do a little bit over here. Can you do a little bit? Can you do a job over here? And since I was, you know, boss of my own time, so I squeezed a little bit here and a little bit here, and a lot of shluchim. You know, I'm sure you're aware of a lot of shluchim out there to cashes uh, and uh, slowly uh, a position to open up. Uh, okay, uh, you know, look, look for somebody kind of full time um, mm-hmm. to to run basically run Minnesota. Have Wisconsin is roughly divided Milwaukee. Uh, it's basically a town, city called Wassa. Wassa and East uh, mainly is uh, another rabbi. I do basically Wassa uh, and West in the entire Minnesota, Dakotas um, that I do. And I used to be I used to be a teacher, and it was just the kind of the, the monotone, the same thing every day. That I, I don't know, I had a hard time with. I, I love teaching, and I still once, once in a while at my, my school, my uh, my kids hey, they need to sub. I enjoy teach. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy teaching. But it was the, the monotone, the same thing every day. I had a harder time with, and this, uh, this just fit into my uh, personality. As a cup of tea, yeah, just the, the change, they're going around, uh, they're not the same. So. Okay, and so how long have you been doing this? When did you come to Minnesota, Angelichus? How long ago was I moved to Minnesota, I moved to Minnesota in 2007, and I started uh, very little right away. I'm doing this for basically full time since uh, 2011, so last 10 years. Last 10 years, uh, very nice. 10 years, yeah. And had you done anything kashrus related before? Which is a funny story. There, Bibi Netanyahu, when he was president in nineteen, trying to think when it was nineteen ninety six, I think it was, must have been that that the first time he was was prime minister, he came to Holland and he had a state dinner. And supposedly, that's what I was told, that every single state dinner is kosher. So there were they suddenly last minute they had a dinner with the Queen of Holland. He needed a uh, he needed a uh, he needed kosher meal. No, he needed, he needed from, from people to pour the wine. Oh. Uh, so we, we actually, we actually, we were going to get a crash course on how to pour wine and everything. And then, and then, I'm not sure what happened and fell through. I was only 16, 17 years old. So, um, but yeah, so. Wait, I just want, I want to get get that clear. So your first job in Kashrus was making sure the wine stayed kosher, pouring for Bibi Netanyahu. It didn't yeah. end up happening. But it, it didn't, oh, it, it, the whole job not, fell through. It did not end up happening, but we, we kind of, we were, we were asked as a friend of mine. His father was the Rav Machshir of Jacobs from Holland, and his, we were in Holland. I, I, I don't remember all the details. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure they found other people, maybe older people. I'm not sure. Maybe I think clear security. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you're saying, you, you're saying my, 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 my background in Kasher is I grew up on Schlichus in Holland. I'm from Holland originally. Ah, I see. Um, so, and so some people could hear some people who have a good accent. See, here in Minnesota, they think I'm a New Yorker. 
and New York, and now I'm not a New Yorker. But uh, so I grew up in Holland. We grew up in a very s- a small city called Harlem. Uh, the Harlem, New York, is, is named after that. It's spelled double A, though. As you know, of course, uh, like the Starkey, actually, uh, we only ate uh, we only ate and drank Hagisrael. Um, so we did. It, it was available from Antwerp, but it was you know talking about forty years ago now. Um, it was hard to get. I think but basically, my mother and um, she she was the pioneer. She was the one behind it. But my father, I used to go. We used to go every Sunday morning. Go to the farm, and uh, of course, there's much much simpler farms than today. You know, uh, small herd, you know, especially in Europe. I don't know what's going on there now, but a uh, small cow. And we'd go there, and we'd get you know milk. We'd be there and we'd milk, and we get you know, I think it was nine liters of milk. You know, what, two gallons roughly, two and a half gallons of milk mm-hmm. for the week. Um, so you know, uh, we obviously also marketing a pastisrol, so that was also hard to get. It was you had to go to Amsterdam for that. So I'm only to bake bread. So uh, we grew up, you know, growing grow up in a small shtetl in the middle of nowhere. You obviously grow up with a, with a cashless background, very aware uh, of the yeah, thing, any, what any, needs to any, be done. Any any event there was in the shul, there was this bakery in Amsterdam. We get obviously you know cakes. The bakery was pastisrol, but the, there was not cholavisrol. So. Uh, there were always special, those special orders for the rabbi and his, and his kids. The, uh-huh. the cakes, and everybody <laughs> had the, the cream and the fancy cakes and all the whipped cream stuff on it. So, uh, you know, it was, I was, I was, you know, that was from, from day one. Obviously, as a little child, you grew up with, you know, with cashless and uh, stuff like that. So, right. you just reminded me. I was once in India. I spent a Shabbos in a Chabad house there, and uh, Shabbos afternoon. What were the women talking about? How you just can't get yogurt. Yeah, I, I I never had yogurt in my life till I moved till we uh, till I went to sell to yeshiva because in those days you didn't have the import and the export. I'm talking back in the eighties. Right. So now they have everything there. I didn't have to, you know the flying everything fresh. Well, yeah, yogurt we didn't have butter. We my mother used to make butter as well and uh, milk and, and cheese. So cheese I didn't have cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And then you wound up in St. Paul, Minneapolis, eventually in charge of um, Wasso and West. You said. Basically, yep. Okay. And so I think everyone knows what this area of the country is famous for is dairy production, right? And I assume that's the bulk of what you do? Um, it's definitely bulk time because, as I mean, I don't know if you want to go into it, and the cheese, uh, cheese products need, uh, or hard cheese needs a mashgiach kmidi, someone there in the entire time. So I don't, I wouldn't say it's bulk, but it's definitely bulk of my time because. I, I have productions where I'm 20 hours at a time or, you know, I mean, any the smallest productions are a day, a day, you know, at least eight, 10 hours. So it definitely takes most of my time. So let's talk a bit about what goes into that. Once the milk is chal v'yusrael, isn't cheese automatically kosher? I mean, what's what what goes into cheese that makes it different? Right. So, so, so you actually really got to separate, uh, you got to separate because you, you brought a good point up, you know, Shulchan Aruch. Uh, there is uh, uh, if the yid, if a guy knows that yid is going to make uh, cheese from it, um, that uh, the the milk does not need to be chal because he knows that you know it's, it's a it's a interesting thing that uh, only um, which I'm not sure how how known that is either, but only uh, kosher milk besides I think as far as as far as what they know is uh, is camel milk, but. Shulchan Aruch calls it that the cholav tmeya is not maimi. You cannot make cheese out of non-kosher animals besides camel, which we don't have obviously here um, in, uh, in 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 this part of the, this part of the world. Um, so if a if a guy 
uh, knows that the, the, the milk is it, it meant for yeast, for gvina, for made for cheese, there's, you know, there's, there's less, there's more room to be made on Chalav Yisrael. Um, but we really got to go step for, backwards because there's two, there's two, two things over here. There's two gzedas over here. There's a gzeda of Chalav Yisrael. The Chalavim made a gzeda way back when. And it's also a big misconception. People think that, you know, if you're, you know, it's like Pas Yisrael, Chalav Yisrael, you know, if you're Machmir, you have Pas Yisrael, and you're in Chalav Yisrael. It's the other way around. You know, Pas Yisrael is indeed a Chumrah. Shulchan you know, was a, they made the same gzeda around the same time, but, you know, uh, you know, the Tiber wasn't able to keep up that Xeda, so they were in the Xeda. And Halacha Paskins, that you know, it's allowed pass, at least pass palter, uh, bread from a uh, from a bakery, and should be machmir, should be, should be machmir during uh, during a session. That's uh, what's the name, but so some people have the Chumra passes so. Chalav uh, Yisrael is the other way around, actually. Chalav Yisrael is Dina the Gemara, it's a Shulchan Aruch, there's no two ways about it. Obviously, we have the famous head of Moshe, and actually, go back to my source. My, my uh, go back to my uh, sources. I'm from actually born in Amsterdam, even though I grew up in Holland, but I was born in Amsterdam. Um, Holland had already a hetter 300 years ago, and that's why my grandmother, before that Moshe was uh, came out with his head, and before it was around, but before the hetter, the famous head of Moshe, where his mother they called the Holland companies or Holland stand, they called today, but Holland companies, he called it that in Holland they did not eat Holland Israel. Again, I don't know how how uh, how what's the name. I don't know if his heter really applies all the time. But you know, the Pichadish had a heter back in the uh, three hundred years ago, where he was matir chalav Yisrael, of akum actually, not not chalav stam. I mean, because you know, he was matir. Not you know, you don't have to drink chalav Yisrael. All the places said some say from out against, very strong against him, uh, and it was not the scabal uh, in the in the world. But gvinus is a separate gzeda that besides, even if you don't, if you if you have you can have you can have chalav yisrael milk, for example, and then the gvinus the, the gvinus made by a guy. You have gvinus akum, which wouldn't be kosher. So you have gvinus, you would have chalav yisrael treifer cheese. Treifer cheese. Okay, so what you're saying is that the halach of cheese gvinus yisrael is totally independent of the chalav yisrael status. Right, and there and I mean there are they're not I mean there are no acceptable Italian for it. There are out there, but there's no acceptable Italian for it. I mean the chachmin arvena. Back in you know, the in the the Shainim spoke about if Gvina that you are you uh, that you are set cheese you made with the uh, with the uh, nut with uh, with uh, animal rennet, which by the way is the reason, which we actually re- the reason the Chachamit Takana was because re- cheese is made by, uh, by I forgot the, what the name I actually saw yesterday the name of the the, um, the, uh, the name of it the scientific name of it but basically cheese is made with rennet or used to be made with rennet. Which comes from calf stomachs, mainly calf stomach, which is the, the has the most of the rennet, uh, the best rennet, and because we are worried about uh, worried about that, uh, you can remind me that the cave is nevela, uh, even though there's no issue of basal over here, but you cannot use you have to use a makashra shechted animal. So there were there were guys there that you have to uh, a yid has to be involved, uh, yid has to be involved uh, and has to be by the process of cheese making. Today, there are some, uh, I want to say that today we don't use animal rennet anymore, not much. Uh, most cheeses, especially in the United States, are made with, with non-animal rennet. So, whatever. But it's not acceptable, Hector. Uh, no, none of the major Echshadim, uh, national Echshadim, are the same on that. So that's the Gzeda of Givinas Akum, which also, by the way, com- comes out, but it's very interesting. For example, when it comes to a byproduct, 
which just uh, today actually we understand better than once upon a time. It's uh, one of the things the, the Medrash and Shira Shidim Shidim Shira Shidim says that the that the Torah is Nimshula, the Yain, Dvash, the Chol of the Cholom, Ma'im, and one of the things is Chalav. It's the Nimshula Chalav. Why? So the, the Medrash says that just as Chalav has no Psalus, so too does uh, so the Torah has no Psalus. No, there's no such thing as you can Torah that never never brings any Psalus with it. You can if you learn Torah, it never could affect you negative, negatively. And up until 30, 40 years ago, I remember my mother used to make cheese in Holland. And she always had the issues. She always had the way. And what do you do with the way? The way is garbage. Throw the way away. So she always, I remember before Google exists, I always try to find out what can you do with way. Uh, today, you know, it's a multi, uh, multi-billion dollar industry. There's actually companies that make cheese just because they need the way. They don't even need the cheese. They started making cheese because they needed the way. So actually every single part of the way. But a lot of, a lot of uh, when it comes to way, uh, a way so you can have non kosher, you can have Gvinas Akum, which is not kosher, but the way that comes out of Gvinas Akum is kosher. So if you know for if you're, you're you know, based obviously every agency has their uh, has their they kind of has their you know their standards of you know uh, monthly, bi monthly, quarterly, whatever visits they do, they come and check periodically the ingredients, make sure the only ingredients that go in there, the cultures, the rennet to make the cheese go in there are kosher. So the rennet is kosher, uh, the, 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 the way is certified kosher. My own major in national Akshadim. Um, that's Starke because Starke doesn't do enough <laughs> but, um, but, but but I'm saying, but the cheese is not. So, which is which, it's because the Gzeda only applies to the Gvina, not to the, to the way. That's really interesting. And it's not, and it doesn't get put any taste in the way or anything like that that would answer it. I mean, it, it, you know, ain't on what was, what was answered, you know, the Gzeda was on the Gvina, not on the, you know, so the Gvina, you know, like I said. Even when it comes to, you know, it's already brought back that they had, they had rennets, you know, uh, vegetarian rennets, talking about, you know, Chachmen and Verna was eight, nine hundred years ago. They're already then discussing if Gvina, the cheese that was made with, with you know, vegetarian rennet is a kosher or not kosher. So, but all, I think as far as I know, all the all the national shading, you know, certify uh, the way, even though the, the cheese is not kosher. That's really interesting. I looked it up, by the way. It's chimo- Chimosin. Is that what you were thinking of? Yes, 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 chamosin, yes. Right, so so the cat the calf has has the most chamosin. Um, they actually are interesting. There's actually two. There's, there's um, I know what actually some of the some of the rennet used a lot today is where they actually took the genes of they took the DNA of the calves and they actually produced it in the, in the lab. So which is a different you know, they you know different you know what happens if you uh, you know use uh, gene you know DNA. Basically, the but I've been accepted those the DNA that goes into uh, uh, DNA into uh, you know non-kosher DNA that goes into uh, the product. You were saying earlier that cheese production is really time-consuming because of that. So why is that? Because you need to be there to be putting. You're constantly putting more rennet in. But yeah, so basically, I got to be there at the beginning. So I have to make sure there's no cheese in the in the system before I check, make sure that everything is clean. When you say in the system, what does the factory look like? Is it vats? Is it tubes? Is it pipes? And I, I actually go to plants that are that are. Yeah, you, you got it all. I go to a plant that produces uh, um, five thousand uh, pounds of cheese a day, roughly, and maybe six. It's fifty thousand pounds of milk, one tanker of milk a day that all can handle. And I go to a plant that actually, up until now, actually still produces five million cheese pounds of cheese, and uh, five thousand. Five million pounds of milk a day, you know, processes. They're switching over June eighth or 9th, and they they're going to seven and a half million pounds of milk a day. And obviously, they run you know twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a year. And 
I mean, I like I said, I do. I actually that place I actually go for since 2007, so it'll be what 14 years now. When I started there, they used to uh, do 60,000 pounds vats with uh, taking 32 minutes to fill. They went now they're running 22 minutes, so they cut 10 minutes over the last couple of years. Same 60,000 pounds. When the new plants operational, they're going to 90,000 pounds of milk uh, in 20 minutes. So every 20 minutes, it's a new vat of cheese. And they have a cheese belt that runs, where the cheese is processed, they run it and it has two, three floors. That's how you know, the whole thing is automated. So basically, uh, should I give you some little bit of what happens when you make cheese? Yeah, I, I want to understand what it looks like, what happens. Uh... So we, we, we have milk and uh, the milk is, uh, they pasteurize the milk, obviously, to get rid of all the bad bacteria. Um, sometimes they separate the milk and they do non-fed milk, depending what kind of cheese they're making. American cheese or whatever. I mean, cheddar, which is American cheese or Italian cheeses, that all depends. Um, then they add cultures, which are basically bacteria, good bacteria that give the flavor to the cheese, depending on what the, on what kind of cheese is, depending on the flavor. You know, you got to put the proper, the, you know, it's very specific. If you put the wrong culture in, the wrong culture, you'll have the messed up cheese. So it's very specific cultures. You got to rotate the cultures because the, the different strains, because at some point, you know, the, the the bacteria get, you know, they, they get not as, you know, not as quality, good quality. And uh, that would ripen, I would say, probably, obviously, depending on the facility, the rape ripens for a certain amount of time. Then they add the rennet. How long are we talking about? We're talking about a matter of minutes, hours, days? Uh, uh, no, uh, again, depends on the, on the, on the, on the, you know, on the facility, you know, that's smaller, bigger. I do places that takes an hour, um, uh, you know, so, so, I mean, uh, minutes, because, you know, when you run a vat for 20 minutes, so, you know, I'm saying, fills, you know, so I don't know, half an hour, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, depending again on, on the culture. Um, then you add the rennet, which, like we said before, um, could be, it, it's, there's kosher cheese, actually, Italian cheeses that are made with kosher animal rennet. Um, uh, Parmesan, real Parmesan, uh, Parmesan Reggiano in Italy it has to be made with animal rennet or else it cannot be called Parmesan uh, Reggiano. So, um but most 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 rennets today, even in non-kosher production, is you know uh, not non-animal sourced. The rennet, which takes about, uh, I would say probably forty-five half an hour, forty-five minutes, again depending on the, on the facilities, uh, separate takes the uh, the protein and separates it from the rest of it. So then you, now you end up with a, a big chunk of uh, of hard something hard, like soft looks like soft cheese. Um, that gets prospered. They cut it, they mix it, they put cold water, it's going to shrink. It's called cheese curds. It's actually a very big uh, delicacy here in Wisconsin. Uh, I don't think you can buy it anywhere kosher. I actually have I can, I have access to it because we, uh, in the place that uh, makes Chavisol cheese, they also produce uh, cheese curds. And people come, I, I, I don't send the goddess of it. I don't uh, think it's that That's great. not the same thing as cottage cheese? That... No, the cheese curds, it's, 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 uh, my kids call, actually, my kids like, my kids call it squeaky cheese because it has like a squeaky, rubbery texture. You know, you know, people melt it, people deep fry it. People in every single gas station you go here in Minnesota, Wisconsin, you have cheese curds, and you know, in the state's fairs, it's a big thing, <laughs> cheese curds and stuff, or whatever. But basically, yeah, you'll have you have the, you have the cheese curd, you have the cheese curds, um, and uh, depending again on the cheese, what kind of American Italian you wash it, which is also, by the way, another issue, uh, um, less of a problem, by the way, but I said before, by the way, and only the reason why it's it's uh, it's not a problem because it's all cold. All not yet celestial, but it's all in uh, 85, 90, 100, the highest. Uh, most of the cheeses are made are, 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 
are below some cheeses indeed when um, when they're hot when they're hot the uh, hot cheeses when they're over yatsalized by then even for the way a mashkiach would have to be present so i have did this one time uh middle nowhere right in the beginning when i uh about 10 years ago the company needed kosher away and they, I was for a week basically making cheese but the cheese was not kosher they just needed the whey and it was urgent I guess I don't, I don't know the details but uh, I was somewhere for a week actually they ended up being late I was, I was stuck for Shabbos uh, but uh, so yeah they did the way. so then you basically have you were stuck have, for Shabbos in the factory to no, finish no, the production no no, no no I made it to Postal Iowa I didn't make it home mm-hmm. though I didn't make it home I was supposed to be uh, done Thursday uh, Friday morning and then it was like five six hours away from me so I didn't make it home so uh-huh. my, uh, my wife and kids were not happy about it. but you know it's part of, part of being uh, in, the, in, in the industry so basically now you have it's all mixed together uh, the way and all sitting in the back they drain the way which goes to a set today gets dried and goes into a million things is very high in protein so it's a very big big market for it all the super all the power drinks all the Protein drinks have the whey, or if if they're you know, milky ones, um, all the all the all the sh- shakes and you know, milk, all the protein shakes and all those things you buy in the store. That, I don't smoothies, know, smoothies, all those things you buy in the store. They already made the power things. They all have protein. All have uh, have whey uh, in it. It's supposed to be the best, you know, easiest, easiest, uh, you know, easy to digest, etc. Um, so they have the cheese. So that's uh, compressed. They then put it in a, in, a, in a press to get rid of all the whey, get as dry as possible. They add salt. Obviously, depending on the cheese, you make you make plain cheese or flavored cheese. You know, uh, you know the sky's the limit. And, you know, you have uh, I don't know, pepper jack. You have uh, garlic, basil, whatever. There's, there's any that spice. I, I think I've figured out from the supermarket shelves that a jack just means something was put in it, right? No, actually, uh, pepper jack really. It's a, it's, a, it's a, the reason it's called pepper jack because the cheese that, that the pepper jack is a, is a Monterey Jack cheese. So they put the pepper, the peppers in the Monterey Jack cheese, so it became pepper jack. <laughs> but actually, I recently I saw actually somewhere Monterey Jack was a guy who basically lived in California, and his name was Jack, mm-hmm. and he in Monterey, California, and he made a cheese and uh, and, and picked off and became Monterey Jack cheese. Pepper Jack is a Monterey Jack cheese, and I mean, really, really, really I, I, you're talking to the wrong person because to me, all American cheeses taste the same; mm-hmm. they're all flavorless. <laughs> you know, I came, I come from Holland. No, I'm saying is you. I was once in a company, and they, uh, I look at the order, and they make cheddar. And um, I look at the order, and someone see it, two vats of Monterey Jack. I said, what are we doing? It's the same thing. So yeah, we just call it Monterey Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and the customer says Monterey Jack. And I, I mean, the, the, smaller, the smaller boutique cheeses, I go to a place, a small place that makes 5,000 pounds. So he, his cheeses do taste different a little bit. Um, he does really, you know, different cultures and different, uh, he has different temperatures. So he's a, but a, the big commercial places that, you know, run millions of pound, pounds of milk. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's also very young. So then, so basically it goes in the, in the, in the press or in a tower, depending on again, how, how, or how, you know, how big a place it is. Pers- exactly. They have towers and they spit out 40 pound blocks or I do, I do places that do barrels of cheese. There's 500 pound barrels. Um, so it all depends what you know what, what kind of cheese is and or how big the place is, and uh, and that salt it gives salt gives a flavor, and then you're basically you're done, it gets packaged, and then uh, and then it gets um, you know aged depending on you know in general in America they eat unaged cheese, so within two or three weeks it gets processed, so very little flavor, um, because of the this exactly that I bought on of Yisrael has to be given as Akum it has to also have a uh, heck, it has to have a chesed. So every single cheese, you cannot buy a cheese with uh, with just, you know, just 
nothing on it. It has to have a, a, something on top of uh, on top of it. So most, you know, I mean, obviously not any comes to a pa- packaged cheese. When you go, when you go to a an, um, industrial cheese, old cheese will have or a sticker or a chsima or a stamp, something on top of it so that, where the guy cannot swap the the box or the liner and have swap an uncle's cheese. Obviously, when you buy in the store, it has a hexha on it. So once the, once you open the package, you can't put new cheese in it. But when I mean, you have a 40-pound block of cheese, very easily you can rip the liner and, and repackage it again. And uh, so the moment you don't have a, uh, you know, and uh, I, I guess a, a regular, a regular, a regular, uh, a regular stamp could be done in the computer. So companies add stuff on, whether it's a Jewish date or a code or stickers or, or simas, uh, I, uh, I do it all, depending on the facility, depends what they can handle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where do you come into all this process? So I'm there from... I'm there from the beginning. So, I, oh, so, okay, so let's go back. To right. So you basically, you asked, you asked, so basically I have to make sure there's nothing in the system. The system is clean. So kosher cheese will always, that's why it starts always, in most places are times, uh, always at night. I'm not sure why, but it's always at night because that's when they start the day. So they can, I can have to come in the middle because now you have non-kosher cheese in the system and whether it's in the vats, in the towers, and impossible to clean out. So I got to be at the beginning of the run, make sure everything is clean, which I mean, it happens here and there. It's uh, something they start becoming, you know, relaxed. Oh, it never happens. It never happens. Boom. You know, they have sent you a little bit. Oh, cheek, chunk of cheek. Of course, you have, you have Vito and everything, but obviously we don't do that. So you have to make sure everything is clean and spotless. And and I saw that's the name. And they're before the start. And then depending on each vat, each company, some companies, a small company takes an hour to fill a vat. I go to a place that makes 5,000 pounds of cheese a day or does one tank or 50,000 pounds of milk. It takes them two hours of vat. Um, so I'm there and, uh, I, I, the, 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 so now what is required, um, of, of, of a mashkiach or of a yid is debatable amongst the price scheme. Uh, in general, they accepted up until recently, they accepted, uh, shita was a shita of the shach where they ran it, where the, the yid had forced to rent it because it makes the cheese, the cheese, the rent makes the cheese without the rennet, you can have cheese and the cultures, less, but the cultures also gives a flavor. So the culture and rennets. Uh, if possible, a lot of a lot of culture is done automatically. Um, so you control the rennet. Are, you control the rennet. Yes. So, um, but there are places, and uh, I understand uh, national major shading that already, if the yid, I mean, uh, you know, halacha. I'm not talking kula. Halacha definitely it gives room that it's a yid is present at the time and in the facility. If yid is there, it's also. Okay, and I know I, I I've heard of plants that the yid does not put the rennet in. He's just there and and, and monitors the rennet, make sure it's uh, kosher rennet. Um, but in general, the standard, the most accepted is the yid, the mashgiach pours the rennet in. Um, again, it's all it's all a change. I mean, since I started in this, uh, the big facility that switches over to seven and a half million pounds of rennet uh, milk. Uh, when I started there twenty uh, was it fifteen years, fourteen fifteen years ago. I used to uh, pour the rennet in by hand, and a lot of places I still do that. But I used to pour the rennet in by hand, and now it's all automated. It's uh, most most places a computer screen, so I what I, I control the computer screen. Whether it's uh, I one place that uh, basically I gotta maybe before the rennet gets injected, I gotta make sure I be there because otherwise I miss it. But I gotta make sure I'm there. I I put the system in manual, so then I fill the rennet into the rennet pot and mix it with water, and then I inject it and I put it back in auto. Um, in this facility where I go a lot, uh, two or three times a month, um, they're switching over. I actually, they bought a, 
multi-million dollar system uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and I actually was very, I was actually very, um, I was involved and I suggested, and I, they took my, I was very involved in the process of making sure um, what they did, basically what they did is they had a, they put a system in where they have a rabbi, uh, a rabbi acknowledge button or acknowledge button. And it just is the click of a mouse before they set, set the start of the morning, the recipe of the cheese, whatever cheese they make, they click if the rabbi button. And the mileage with that system is, which a lot of other systems don't have, if I don't, if I don't put the rent in, if I'm not, if I fall asleep, it means I, I run places 20 hours sometimes and I sleep. I mean, I'm constantly nervous because if I, uh, if I sleep, I can't, I can't even sleep. Like I mentioned, uh, even put my head down because I'm constantly nervous is, you know, if I miss it, if I miss it. So in this place where I'm, where I'm, you know, so there's 20 hours at a time. So actually the system will not continue until I can hit the acknowledge button. So if I do, you know, goes off and I'm not there, the guy could call me and get me. Um, because, uh, and I was, that was actually my input and then Baruch Hashem, I was you know, very happy I did that because it kind of re- relaxed me. I know I'm there and I can't, what's the name, but I'm, you know, I know that if I, if I do, a, you know, that place actually starts in the morning, so it's better, but the lady there in construction and then starts 7 p.m., 8 p.m. at night and I run the whole night till, you know, 3, 4, 5 p.m. the next day. So it gets it gets pretty difficult, right? I mean, they they probably have a couple shifts in that time. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, average shifts are uh, depending on the facility eight hours. So I'll I'll go through three people. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They, they, that's always the, always the comments is oh the rabbi oh the rabbi's an <laughs> easy job he always sits around and uh, so, yeah, <laughs> if you take my hours then uh, you can also uh, sit around but yeah. Um, and it, it, sometimes, by the way, it's, it's some some people it depends on the other Some people reject it. Some people have a hard time. You know, you could, some some people that you feel the tension of the rabbi because they're like they're annoyed, they're jealous. I mean, whatever. But they say like you know, this guy should do sitting around doing nothing the whole day. Um, you know, they sit at work and uh, I, mean, I go to I so 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 when it comes to go, continue. So this is cheese process making. I go to I go to places that process cheese as well, whether it's uh, American cheese or shredded cheese, sliced cheese. So the same thing because it's uh, it's um, you have to have mashgiach tzmidi because it's a the gazelle of minis so you don't know if they change the cheese so every cheese any process of cheese needs a mashgiach tzmidi whether it's uh, you know shredding so the same thing over there you know they sit and work and schlep and then I go places those five hundred pound barrels and they flip them over and I just 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 sit there for five six seven eight hours on the side and just do nothing and and some people get irritated by it. Uh, of course, I can't. Uh, even if I want to help, I can't help. You can't, you can't, you know, legally and stuff. You can't touch and get involved with doing. So, how do you deal with that? It's 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 challenging. It's uh, time wise. What do you do time wise? Well, I, I meant more animosity wise. Oh, uh, generally, my approach was just be nice and 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 and, and it's just you know, it definitely doesn't reflect. It reflects on them. It's just some people are just you know bitter and sour and just. Uh, and sometimes it's hard because it's not fun. Uh, you know, I already know my areas, which uh, what's the name, and uh, just it's part of life, it's part of dealing, uh, being, you know, dealing, being in the industry. Yeah, but 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 it's it's very in general. It's, uh, most places I I very I mean I would say friends, but I very people are very, you know, there's obviously certain res- most most people have a certain respect. Um, I have people like uh like the same place uh, the hill guy. Uh, you know, one time I was locked out of. You know, where the rabbi's room is that's next to where the, where the whatever the where they have the fridge and everything and I I asked him to leave it open someone locked it and I got there and he actually I didn't want to bother him he lives like a half an hour away and he texted me is it open I said no so he drove all the way half an hour 
back to open it for me and half hour home. And I said, no, don't worry about it, whatever. I'll find, you know, uh, there's another fridge further away that you felt bad. I'm saying, so in general, 99% of, of interactions are very positive and obviously, uh, which I, I make sure mm -hmm. to because, uh, you know, you want to make a case show, you want to make people to, uh, to uh, you know, make a case make, make sure, you know, show people that being are good people. So, Sure. So it seems from what you said earlier, you don't have a lot of respect for the American cheese. So, so uh, it's also very interesting. Um, uh, so I go to a place that spray dries. They're under the UMK, but I go, I go there. And I don't know, at one time, I don't know exactly how it happened, but they basically they had a customer, they, dry, they spray dry blue cheese for it. And not call it a show. They don't, it's not call it a under the UMK. And one time, somehow, they got the stuff to call it a stuff from Denmark. And the customer liked it so much that now the only, the only use of call it a went to, uh, they, they, can you imagine the price difference? They paid. And any leftovers, Chodisrael from Denmark, from Denmark, <coughs> and it goes for stam, it goes for regular cheese, and so now they don't do it anymore because of COVID, they can't, they can't get it anymore. But basically, any leftovers, a little chunk left, you know, whatever they, have, they used to give it to us. So I used to get, I used to get, I used to get Chodisrael. The stuff you you paid it's seven dollars <laughs> for a little triangle. Yeah. And so that, 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 that was the best blue cheese that the, the, the company insisted they wanted to get that stuff, and I'm sure they paid for it. Yeah, wow. Cool. Wow, interesting. Let's actually take a step back. So you said you do a lot of Chalv Yisrael production. Uh, not a lot. Some. Meaning Chalv Yisrael cheese production. Chalv Yisrael cheese, yeah. I don't do any, uh, no, no milk. I mean, obviously milk involved, but no milk bottling, no bottling plant uh, in my area. I do Chalv Yisrael cheese. So, so where, where is that all that milk coming from? It's coming from the dairies of Wisconsin? Yes. So Minnesota is, is decent, not as big ones. Wisconsin is, is called the dairy land of America. It says on the license plate. And that's everything. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're very proud of it. They're supposedly the, the, you know, the, the, the soil, the grass. So Wisconsin has, um, I think if I remember correctly, the price of milk is federally, federally regulated. And the way it was met, set up 100 years ago, and I think there's a lot, there's a lot of opposition to it because not fair anymore, things change. But basically, the, the way the price works is that Wisconsin is the center, and the further close or whatever, the price gets based on how far you're from Wisconsin. Um, even though today, um, which, uh, you know... There the, are the, huge dairies on the West Coast. And, and uh, yeah, the West Coast, Texas, is, you know, which is a whole new phenomenon. I mean, it's a whole new, it's a whole new uh, you know, didn't exist uh, probably 20 years ago, 30 years ago. The only way you can have dairies that size, even in Wisconsin, uh, if you ask the people up until 30 years ago, an average, a big dairy, a huge dairy was 400 cows. An average dairy was 50, 60 cows. A big dairy was 150, 200 cows. Today, uh, 400 cows is tiny. Nobody has, nobody has, I don't think they can survive if you have 50 cows. Uh, uh, I go to a place that does, uh, that has 3,000 cows. Uh, from Wisconsin, I think it's one of the biggest. And California, Texas have 10,000. The only way they, the only way you could, uh, maintain that is with computer the, the whole thing is computerized actually is a big actually an israeli company called Ofakim. i think it's called Ofakim or something Ofakim. that they, they have a, they, 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 the cow wears a chip on their whatever on their a, a, a bracelet on their leg and it scans and it keeps track of everything whether when the cow is, is is due to get pregnant when the cow is you know give birth how much milk is producing where is the milk production going down, going down so really the only way you could do that so which for how actually increase the cashless i mean uh up until 30, 40 years ago, industry standard was that there was no, I don't think there was another way to do it. Financially viable was that, yeah, one mishkiach went from farm to farm. It couldn't be where the whole milking. So, I mean, so I had to, you know, Machaber brings it, or Chashulchan says you could, you know, be selling Muhammad, 
where it's called Mishasa Chaliva, not Mitchilsa Chaliva. As long as you're there in the in the Chaliva, it's called it's called Yisrael. Uh, today, I don't think of any major acceptable shade except this uh, this hetter. Uh, Thirty years ago, I don't want to use company names, but that was the uh, industry industry standard. Um, today, it's much easier because you have one shgeach sits there from beginning to end, and uh, you know one. You know, I go to a place that does the mill. He has three thousand cows. He fills up a trailer of fifty thousand pounds, which is a full size trailer, six hours, uh, six and a half hours. So it's uh, in that sense, you know, cash has got, got better. So we are able to uh, to be more um, more modern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the major changes that you've seen over the past uh, 10, 20 years? Everything gets bigger. In, in the cheese industry or Bichlal, you're saying Kashis? Bichlal and, and Kashis uh, and cheese and Everything milk. gets bigger. You know, the, 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 I, I, I always wonder, where does all this cheese go? Like millions, <laughs> I mean, on, on seven and a half million pounds of milk, you make about 750, 850,000 pounds of cheese a day. Now do that per day times 320 times, you know, 365. I mean, the quantity, but they're growing, they're constantly, every, everything has, since in my last, since my, I started, I, I, everything went, I mean, I probably doubled my amount of work, if not tripled my amount of work. Uh, the only growth. Um, uh, another interesting thing is, uh, stuff is already not cash is related, but uh, I, one of the things I do is colors. Um, well, I, I, you know, for some reason, I don't know why, but there's a bunch of spray dryers in my area. Um, and um, so I, one of the things I do, they spray dry a lot of colors. But where I actually, I, I actually mm-hmm. see where from about 15 years ago when I started, 11 years ago when I started doing this uh, full time, uh, 90% of the production was artificial colors, you know, red, yellow, whatever, orange, blue, you know, artificial colors. And a very little natural colors, you know, the, whatever they see that, natto, uh, uh, yellow, we have you know paprika, all those things. Today, today's the other way around. I do ninety-five percent or ninety percent. I do natural colors, and it's very little of of, of uh, artificial colors. You see, like, massive industries change where people automatically demand, um, you know, na- natural yeah, instead of yeah, artificial. Uh, but besides that, just growth. I mean, uh, just growth, growth, growth. I, I this as a as a truck company that uh, that I go to, and I remember when he called me up, he says. Uh, People ask me to have a liquid bulk, you know, liquid side, and have a dry, dry, you know, bulk dry, dry hauling. And uh, you know, he wants to certify the dry side. I said, you don't need to. I mean, you know, you, you make a wash between anyway, you know, for allergens and everything. The holes, flour, sugar, you know, you know cornstarch. You know, you know, no, no. I get it. People call up all the time. They call me up and say, hello, uh, you're, you're kosher certified. No, the rabbi say, oh, okay, no, never mind, goodbye. Hang up the phone. So he needs to, you know, if you don't, it's amazing how, you know, if you're not, if you're not kosher, you almost don't have uh, another place I go to that does uh, no, agglomerates, agglomerates uh, uh, protein uh, uh, whey, uh, which agglomerates means where you mix where it melts but dissolves in, in liquid. I started this with them also roughly ten years ago. They used to have non-kosher. I used to be much more often. I used to be more hashgachatimidis because they used to have non-kosher compatible ingredients uh, whey. Today they don't have non-kosher in our way anymore. Everything is, you know, everything is kosher. Uh, you know, but just uh, it's interesting because I, I come from Europe. You know, I'm, 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 I don't know if you have been in Europe. I'm sure you have been there. You, you work. It's a very different. You know, there is no shame on anything. Everything is based on lists. 
and you know everything is not at all like this. And you know, America, you know, the Yidden, the kosher, the frumi Yidden in America, we kosher, not that much bigger, but somehow, I guess the after the Shmaya, where you know, if we get, you know, so, so many Yidden live here, so they wish they uh, somehow here became almost like you know, today. If you're not kosher, you're not even on the map. If you're an, an ingredient that is big yeah, industry, if you're, if you're an ingredient that goes into anything, even nothing that has to be kosher. If you're not kosher, way all that stuff. 99 90% of it is kosher fibers everything is kosher because you know if you're not kosher you're not, you know, you're not on the mat which is pretty amazing wow yeah that's really it that really is amazing okay is there anything else I should be asking you about cheese about anything um, we've discussed no I think pretty much I mean this is obviously all uh, just to clarify this all applies to kosher to hard cheese the gzeda gvinas akum and gvinas yisrael having the 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 halacha that you have to have gvinas yisrael uh, it only applies to hard cheeses that needs rennet, uh, but soft cheeses obviously not. So that's why uh, if you go to the store, any supermarket you go to, so obviously I'm a middle, I'm in the Midwest. So any Walmart I go to when I'm in Ashgacha, obviously I, I, I say I don't eat it, but uh, you'll go into the dairy section. You have all the milk is kosher, all have OU or whatever. All the cheeses are you know, soft cream cheeses, uh, yogurts, everything is kosher. Most of it, a lot of it's kosher because the, the gzeda of Guinness only applies to hard cheese. That's why hard cheese even um, uh, a hard cheese, even not Chalavisol, but the Gminisol is still going to be double the price of regular cheese, and you won't find any unless it's a kosher store uh, because it's, you have to have a shagach there, which comes to significant increases in the mm. price. So, how do they make those soft cheese products? They don't use the, the culture, culture I guess. but not rennet. So, the culture cultures is made from milk, which is bacteria. I mean, it's uh, not, not made from animals. I mean, people make it at home. You can use lemon juice. You know, you make your homemade homemade soft cheese. You use, you know, any, any cultures, but not no rennet. And rennet gives give cost us to have the gazette of uh, of Guinness uh, Akum and Guinness Israel. So, yeah. Okay, very good. Yeah, that's. I think that covers basically uh, most of what uh, most of what I uh, most of the cheese cheese related what I do. Wow, interesting. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Kosher Conversation, a Star K Media production. If you enjoyed today's podcast, why not tell a friend? They might like it too. If you have any questions about the podcast, topics discussed, or topics you'd like to hear discussed, shoot us an email at podcast at star-k.org. Hope to hear from you.